Father, thank you for your resurrection power in our dead lives. May we continue by your grace and strength to be dead to ourselves so that we may live for you. We pray for a prayer request who seeks prayer for her husband who works at a small college that just had an active shooter. There were casualties and her husband was first on the scene. So Lord, we pray for this family and the families of those who have lost someone yesterday. May your strength and peace be with them all. We pray for Petrie, Mr. Nobody, who writes this morning, Sweet, tender sadness is discovered for doing laundry and putting up clothes for someone that will never wear them again. May your peace and strength be with the Petrie family as we continue to pray for Scott and Amy Joe as well. And I, and I would like to add to my dear friend, Mr. Nobody Petrie, soon your sweet bride will hear Talita Kumi. And she will be wearing new clothes, my friends. And therefore, today's title of today's episode, gospel episode, is Talita Kumi. The Hill tweeted yesterday that President Biden stated there's always a renewed national debate every time a president nominates a justice because the Constitution is always evolving slightly in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights, etc. And that's always an issue. Well, of course it's an issue. But I'm not here to talk about this evolving Constitution. I'm here to preach the non-evolving Word of God, for it is written. And this is why I believe the phrase Christian nationalism has become an oxymoron. And I saw another tweet yesterday retweet it that reads from 8th century woodchipper who says, If your pastor would call the simple faith and love of a country that was almost universally held by the men who fought World War II Christian nationalism, you should find a new church. Well, my friends, in response to this statement, I must say that Christian nationalism is impossible. When an evolving document called the Constitution conflicts with the non-evolving document called the Word of God. Well, let's look at this non-evolving document called the Word of God as we read today in our scheduled reading in the book of Genesis chapter 33, beginning in verse 3 and 4. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. I find this to be a powerful scene within this non-evolving document called the Word of God. Because here we find a non-evolving principle concerning forgiveness. And I also find it interesting that Peter no doubt refers to this behavior in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 25. And the Lord does a whole lot more than double down on this principle of forgiveness. This passage reads, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy 
times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called them, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So my question is, my Christ friends, do you want to see revival? I believe we must see this type of love and forgiveness that is, 70 times 7 in our family and churches if we're ever going to see this revival. Then notice the domino effect as the family of Jacob comes forward with love and respect. Verse 6 through 7. Then the handmaidens came near, they and their children, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. A tremendous love and respect here that came with weeping, repentance, forgiveness. In the 2015 time frame, I was stationed in New York, and right down the road from me was a historic Presbyterian church that I was invited to preach at a few times. One of those occasions, I preached a message entitled 70 times 7, which I would later have to preach again because either I did not record it the first time or it failed to re record. And I, and I thought that the, the conclusion of that service was significant enough for a recording. And I just posted that recording as number 33 in the archive series on my Substack page, which, which can be found at gospeled. Dot com. Anyways, it was the end of this message that half of the church came forward. They came forward to make a profession of faith when I gave an invitation to come forward by faith to trust in Christ. And then also at the conclusion, a lady approached me at the end of the service and said that, the, that this forgiveness was greatly needed in their church. Well, my friends, if you cannot find forgiveness in yourself through Christ, how do you expect to forgive others? I was glad to see that so many humbled themselves and came forward on that day. 
Because I know this is the only way to initiate 70 times 7. And once we find this type of forgiveness that is the antithesis of destroying our brethren, what do we find? We find gifts dropped and not bombs on each other. Verse 8 through 11, and he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in thy sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough. My brother, keep, keep that thou hast unto thyself. And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand, for therefore I have seen thy face, as though I had seen the face of God, and thou was pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. So here we see once all that was made right, an altar was erected by the Israel of God to the God of Israel. How fitting is it not, my fellow friends of the Israel of God called the church, to make these type of resolutions and peace with our brethren? Then we read today about a, a not so peaceful encounter with the Lord. Let's see if we can note the differences as we read in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And he went, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because they had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Here we find an isolated man, who was an unruly and belligerent, untamed man. What do we find him do? We find him among the self-mutilators of our day who cut themselves. But then Jesus comes by. And it is as if dad comes home to find his children doing bad things. And before he can correct them, they run to him yelling, Daddy! With much flattery to drag out their punishment. Verse 7, And cry with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. However, we see that quickly Jesus does not fall to this type of flattery. For Christ our Lord never negotiates with demons, period. Verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He wasn't negotiating with, this, with these demons. In this instance, there were no 70 times 7. There were no hugging of the neck. There had to be an exorcism first. Then came the forgiveness that we read about in 18 and 19. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. How about Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. And, had, and he had compassion on him. And some people are just possessed. And until there is this exorcism, the compassion of the Lord and the compassion we read about that accrued between Jacob and Esau cannot be found. There must be an exorcism. 
We don't negotiate for this type of compassion to be showed forth in these cases. We pray for them. I do believe this is where loving criticism is in order as we pray. Some people do not realize they are possessed until you confront them about it. And this is why I am convinced that Antichrist Israel must not get a free pass in all things, as it does in our culture today. I guess there's a misappropriated quote attributed to a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire, a philosopher of old, that says, to learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. Well, the fact-checkers say this is not truly attributed to Voltaire, but it's actually from a neo-Nazi. Well, guess what? Neo-Nazi or not, I find great truth in this statement as we see that even the mighty BLM movement is humbled by the powers that be if you say something wrong concerning Antichrist Israel. All you have to do is look up Whoopi in the news today to understand this reality. How dare she question anything about the Holocaust narrative, they say. And she didn't even necessarily question the Holocaust. She just said something wrong in their eyes. There is an article posted on CNN Business that says ABC News suspends the View host Whoopi Goldberg by Oliver Darcy for two weeks. One day after she drew significant criticism for falsely declaring that the Holocaust was not about race. Well, my friends, I'm not here to validate the validity of the Holocaust. I'm here to preach about the validity of faith. But we're never going to be able to make these differentiations without faith. A faith that will bring us to the hem of the Lord's garment. A faith that makes us whole. We must first be made whole if we expect others to become whole. 25 through 34, Mark chapter 5, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment, for she said, If I just may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her. They had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So here, my friends, we see that in order to become whole, we must be risen from the dead. The dead of our trespassing sins, that is. And we must hear Talitak Kumi. Now, this is an Aramaic phrase. That was proclaimed by the Lord. That in essence says, rise my little one. I just love that phrase. It puts the hairs on the back of my neck up. And puts shivers down my spine. 
at its power, at its power, pure, raw power. And this is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Today I'm in the seventh chapter of Out of the Darkness by Ryan Stevens, and there is one sentence that popped out with this with much power that relates to what I've just said. As he writes, I must accept the reality that I am a dead man walking. And I agree with you, my brother Ryan. And honestly, my friends, I can say the same because this dead body is walking because of Talita Kumi. The Lord on October 31st, 1993 said to Andrew, Talita Kumi. Without Talita Kumi, there is no forgiveness with the Lord. And forgiveness will be hard to be found with our fellow man without the forgiveness of Christ. Verse 41 through 42, And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talita Kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. They were astonished with the great astonishment, as I am still astonished today. No wonder we conclude the book of Esther. And what do we find? In verse 1 through 3, it's only three verses. And the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea and all the acts of his power and of his might and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next unto King Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. So here we see once a dead man who was marked by the evil of Haman. But in essence, he rose again by the power of the king. And what did he do? Afterwards, he sought the wealth of his people. He spoke peace to all of those who were of the Israel of God. As he stood right next to the king. All because of Talita Kumi. That brings us into the Israel of God. Psalm 33, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with psaltery and with an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. 
The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of on hosts. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hope in thee. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.